Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 Before learning about Aviva IQ, I used to spend so much time managing my guest communications manually. Now, with Aviva IQ's easy-to-use automated service, my workload has reduced by 80%. Did I mention it's free? Automate your Airbnb messages now at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome another news episode of Get Paid for Your Pad. And today I'm very excited to be hosting this podcast together with the one and only Glenn Carter. Of course, he is the head of marketing of Hostly. Glenn, what's up, man? Nothing much, Jasper. How you doing? Where Where are you now? Taipei. Back in oh, Taipei. The other I side read, of the I world. Read, I read this morning that Hurricane Lan is steering away from you. So that's good news for you and your, your host country. Well, I was actually kind of looking forward to it because, you know, where I'm from in Holland, we don't have any of these exciting things. We don't have tsunamis. We don't have earthquakes. We don't have typhoons. You know, we have none of that stuff. So, you know, we, we just have like cheese and cows and flatlands and grasslands. So <laughs> I was kind of excited to experience my first ever hurricane. You know, unfortunately, it, it wasn't for me. Well, I think your definition of exciting is very different from mine then. <laughs> yeah, what, what, what gets you excited? Definitely not hurricanes and typhoons. <laughs> <laughs> what we did get was a couple of days where it it just poured down with rain nonstop. It was I've never seen so much rain come out of the skies. It was really crazy. It was just like literally 24 hours a day. And I'm not talking about a little drizzle. I'm talking about full on just pouring down with rain. It was, that, it was pretty is that, crazy. Is that normal for this time of year? Well, it definitely rains a lot in Taiwan, but this month is actually supposed to be the start of the dry season. But then I guess when one of those hurricanes passes by, it, it also uh, brings a lot of water. So I guess this is kind of exceptional. Hmm. Well, I hope you stay dry. It's funny because, you know, yesterday was actually the first sunny day I've seen here. And, you know, like the one item that people use the most in this country, I think, is the umbrella. Like everywhere you go, you can put your umbrella outside. They have like holders for umbrellas. You put your umbrella there or they give you a little plastic cover that you can put around it so that, you know, when you go inside somewhere, it doesn't get wet. And so everybody owns like five or six umbrellas, it seems. But then even when it's sunny, people wear umbrellas because they also <laughs> don't want to get a tan. So <laughs> it's kind of funny, like whether it rains or it's sunny, like people walk around with umbrellas. Well, I know this isn't Airbnb related, but I remember reading that umbrella sharing platforms were quite popular in, in that area. Okay, yeah, well, <laughs> it's funny. I, I kind of imagine that because sometimes it's really hard to find your umbrella when you walk into a 
coffee place or something, there's there's a holder with like 30 umbrellas and everybody buys these umbrellas at the 7-Eleven. So they all look the same. And so, you know, when you walk out and you're trying to find your umbrella, a lot of the times it's like, uh, well, I, I can't remember which one's mine. So I'll just grab one. Well, it's like your luggage at the airport. You got to tie a, like a red <laughs> bow to it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the umbrellas are just like a sharing commodity over here. I think, I think people don't really care which umbrella they have as long as they have one. <laughs> well, if it's downpouring like you say it is, then uh, yeah, absolutely. We have some pretty interesting topics to discuss today, so let's not get carried away. And I'm sure we can talk hours about like different countries and all sorts of stuff related to travel. There's some cool stuff to talk about. I'd say the most interesting thing that came out this week was actually coming from Airbnb, which is kind of unusual. They published a really cool blog post at blog.atairbnb.com slash search. It talks about some of the factors that influence the position of Airbnb listings in the search results. And that's obviously something that a lot of hosts always have questions about and everyone's always trying to figure out, you know, what can I do with my listing in order to have it show up higher in those search results and and get more viewers, get more bookings as a result. Airbnb has shed some light on these ranking factors in this post. It's a fairly long post. I'd say to summarize it, one thing that I found interesting is that wish listing does help improve search placement. That's something that a lot of people have wondered about for a while. You know, does it really help to ask all your friends to wish list your Airbnb listing and ask all your guests and stuff? It does have an impact. It's one of over a hundred factors that influence your search rank. So I imagine it's probably not one of the most important factors. It should help. Another observation is that changing text photos doesn't really improve your search placement. So there's no need to keep changing up your listing. I think the only thing that does help is making sure your calendar is updated every day. They've acknowledged that instant booking does help your uh, search placement. I mean, Airbnb is pushing for instant book for a while, so I think instant booked is probably a pretty decent factor. Being a super host does not improve search placement. However, the factors that make you a super host do help your listing rank higher. So, you know, it's about no cancellation, fast response times, higher acceptance rates. That all makes sense because in the end of the day, obviously Airbnb wants to show the listings that that the guests will like and they, they're likely to book. So those are kind of the most interesting things that I've noticed. What about you, Glenn? Yeah, I mean, you, you covered most of it, Jasper, but from a marketing perspective, I find these kinds of things fascinating. We we're so focused on, you know, Google rankings that, you know, a platform like Airbnb comes out with this. It's sort of a brush of fresh air. We're sort of seeing this now with Amazon as well. People are very concerned about how they rank on Amazon. So we'll likely see a similar thing on, on Airbnb. But the most interesting thing for me in this was, you know, it's clear that Airbnb continues to aggressively push for, for hosts to enable the instant book. And as you mentioned, this is only one of 100 data points that they look at, but it's pretty clear to me that this is probably one of the most critical aspects of your search ranking. Maybe you could liken this to sort of your keywords that you're trying to place in your article for Google to rank you. And this is sort of the secret sauce of the search rankings. But another thing that was really interesting for me that I hadn't heard confirmation of before, but always suspected was that if you reject bookings, so, you know, Airbnb sees rejected bookings as one of the worst experiences for guests on their platform. So they're going to punish you for it. So they do factor this into the search rankings. And as hosts, we need to consider this. We have to be careful that we're not doing this on a regular basis. And if we do it, then there should be a good reason. Interesting point, actually. They don't 
directly punish hosts. I guess what they mean by that is they don't penalize you for you know, not accepting a booking. Obviously, from Airbnb's perspective, you know, it creates a negative customer experience, right? So I'm, I'm sure they do want to uh, minimize it uh, as much as possible. By the way, I think you're absolutely right about the instant book. I don't know if that's the reason why they published this blog post. I just realized uh, there's a question, how can I improve my listing ranking in the search results? And then the answer is the best way to immediately improve performance in search is to enable instant book. Uh, <laughs> so that's another sign that maybe this whole blog post was meant to just get more people to use instant book. They also uh, mentioned two other things that you can do to quickly boost your ranking. And the first one is kind of interesting. Make a fabulous first impression. Make sure that your first photo is a bright, attractive, high-quality, horizontal image of your listing. The more clicks you get from curious travelers, the higher you'll rank in search results over time. An enticing and realistic photo is the best way to show off your space in an instant. That makes a lot of sense. That's really important. Of course, your first picture. And then also price your listing competitively. Travelers are frequently looking for a great value for their trip. And by using tools like smart pricing or setting your own competitive price, you can get the benefit of well-informed pricing recommendations. So this is another thing that Airbnb has been pushing for, like to try and get people to make their places affordable. They want to be the more affordable option alternative to hotels. And so that's also one of the reasons that their smart pricing algorithm tends to underprice, tends to recommend lower prices than what I think is optimal in terms of revenue. Those are a few more interesting points in the article. Yeah, it's just it's worth keeping in mind that it's all about user experience. So that's why they're pushing the instant book. That's why they're mentioning about rejected bookings. It's the exact same thing. And I'm, I'm going to keep going back to Google because that's my bread and butter. But Google knows if you search a term on Google, click a site and then immediately go back to Google, they know that you didn't get what you wanted on that website. So they're going to dock that website a certain amount of points in their algorithm. And and Airbnb is clearly uh, moving towards this, not at the same scale as Google, but as an Airbnb host, you need to constantly be aware of user experience and is my action going to enhance or or hinder that experience. Uh, The second part of the blog post is about finding your listing online. And I think it's good that they provide some some insights on this topic because this is a question that I get a lot from the Airbnb host and Get Paid for Your Pet community. Almost every week I get emails from people saying, hey, I've just published my listing and you know it's been two days and I can't find it. And you know I take a look and I'm always able to find it. And I think the main reason that people can find their own listing is that they don't zoom in on the map. So if you were to publish a listing in New York, and then you do a search for just New York, there's just too many listings for Airbnb to show. Like not all the 10 or 15 or 20,000, I don't know how many there are in New York, but yeah, they can't show all of them. So you know, in order to find your listing, you want to you wanna really zoom in on the map and zoom in on your neighborhood, and then usually you'll be able to find it. But the article mentions one other reason why you might not be able to find your own listing, and that has to do with Instant Book. So if you enable Instant Book and you set the condition that only guests with a positive review can book your place... And then if you're not logged into your Airbnb account, or if you don't have a positive review as a guest, then Airbnb won't show you the listing because of the very condition that you set yourself. 
That's another reason why some people get confused trying to find a listing. And then the last point is the listings that Airbnb show is also personalized. So it depends on the behavior of the user in the past. It depends maybe on the type of listings that user has booked in the past. And so just because, you know, the listing doesn't show up when you do a search doesn't mean that it won't show up when other people search for it. So hopefully that brings some clarification. Yeah, and this is a sophisticated algorithm that Airbnb is using. So, I mean, just because your your listing didn't show up doesn't necessarily mean that it's not on the platform. Exactly. Like nine out of 10 times, well, maybe I should say 99 out of 100 times when people email me, they're in panic. They're like, help, help. Like my listing doesn't show up. I can usually find it within like a minute or two. So, Hosts, if you're anything like me, you have multiple standard messages you send to every guest. I used to copy paste those messages every time I had a new guest. But then I learned about Aviva IQ, and I'm an absolute fan. I copied my repeatable messages into Aviva IQ and told it when I want each message to be delivered. Now, all my guests get personalized check-in messages and personalized check-out messages at the exact time I want them to, automatically. I also use Aviva IQ to send a message to guests when a vacancy exists after their scheduled checkout day and invite them to stay longer. It's amazing how it's turned into free money for me on multiple occasions already. So sign up for free at www.avivaiq.com. You'll be glad you did. Anyway, let's move on to the next topic. This is really interesting. Airbnb is teaming up with a local developer to create a large apartment complex in Florida. Airbnb is teamed up with NewGuard Development Group. It's going to be a 324-unit apartment complex specifically designed for home sharing. So tenants that will rent apartments in the building will be allowed to rent out their rooms for up to 180 days and they will share some of the revenue that they're making from renting out on Airbnb or other platforms with their landlord. So it's really designed as a sort of a win-win situation for both the landlord and the tenant. I think it's a great initiative. It's very hard to rent out an apartment in the condo building because there's always the the homeowner association that will prevent it. Or there's the, you know, if you're leasing the apartment and pretty much every single lease agreement has some sort of clause where where short-term renting is prohibited. So I think this really opens up possibility for definitely for people who uh, who travel a lot or even digital nomads like myself. Right now in Taipei, my friend is actually renting this apartment, but he's not always here. And so he has a deal with the landlord that the landlord rents it out on Airbnb when he's not here. And that covers uh, his entire rent so that he doesn't have to pay rent when he's out of town. So I think this is a really cool solution. What are your thoughts, Glenn? Yeah, no, I uh, I echo that. This 300-unit building, it's allegedly going to be finished in 2018. Kissimmee, Florida, which is right near Disney. So you're obviously going to have a lot of travelers coming into the area. So a right market for Airbnb hosting. And, you know, it was built with hosts in mind. So they have, you know, things like keyless entry, larger storage units for when you're not at your place. And as you mentioned, tenants will be able to sublet their apartments for half the year. And according to the the CNBC article, they're they're working to build five other apartment 
complexes like this in the next next few years. So Airbnb is really uh, trying to push this model. And I think you said it very well. I think this solves a major pain point for Airbnb, which is apartment and condo bylaws. So at this point, aside from outright banning Airbnb, it doesn't really matter what municipalities say about short-term rentals. A condo board you know, can ban short-term rentals, which leaves many condo owners unable to rent out their place on, on Airbnb, even for one night. Building these types of purpose-built buildings will definitely solve this particular issue. If a municipality then comes around and bans short-term rental, I'm not sure where that leaves the, the owners of these particular units. I'm not familiar with uh, Florida laws, but if this type of building was built in a different major city that had very anti-Airbnb regulations, then it wouldn't necessarily bode well. And who knows what the future politicians are going to put in terms of regulations associated with short-term rentals. So it is a bit risky in, in that respect, but I think that's a very noble endeavor. I think it's going to go over very well with home shares, investors, all that kind of stuff. I think this is a good idea by Airbnb. Yeah, I imagine they they may have done some research. They may have spoken to some of the local politicians, what they think about it. I mean, if they would put down one of these towers in Miami, I don't think it will work because Miami has very strict regulations, right, on Airbnb hosting. But maybe that's why they chose the location, because their expectations are that in that particular location, they're not going to run into any regulations in the future. I guess being close to Disney kind of makes sense, because obviously the municipality where Disney is located, they're obviously aware that the tourists are, you know, obviously bringing in a lot of money. That could be a reason why they're located there. Yeah, absolutely. They just got to be careful with the other markets they're expanding to. I had a Airbnb rental in that area and it's I mean the entire local economy is dependent on tourism so it's very unlikely that the municipality of Kissimmee is going to ban short-term rentals in the future at all. So yeah, I think you're right Airbnb is being very careful with where they they choose to have these complexes but you never know what the political winds will will do uh you know in 10 20 years, you know, when you have a a mayor in there who's who's very anti short term rental after a, you know high profile incidents you just you got to be careful absolutely there's definitely some risk well it's funny because i spend a bit of time in south america and in uh, south america this concept is, has been around for a long time uh, they're called apart hotels I actually stayed in an apartment in an apart hotel uh, last time I was in Santiago in Chile. And apart hotels are pretty much this. They're big apartment buildings. There's a person downstairs who checks in guests. And all the apartments are owned by individual owners. You know, they can do the, all the management. But the owners, they, you know, they can rent out the units. But it's just very convenient. So it's kind of like a similar thing. But what I like about this as well is that Airbnb can really help with the design of the building to suit the needs of travelers. And so I think that that's going to be um, something that's going to give this building a bit of an edge over uh, maybe some other buildings. Yeah, and we spoke earlier about the user experience with the search algorithm that Airbnb employs. So this is another way to control the physical user experience. You know, they get to design the building, they get to control everything associated with guest experience in that particular property. The risk for Airbnb as well as, you know, travelers tend to book with Airbnb because they're not hotels. So the more they become like hotels, they're going to alienate some of those travelers. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, clearly there's a market for all types of properties. As you mentioned, 
you know, down in, in South America. And, you know, if, if I'm traveling to the area, and I would love to stay in a place like this, or even over a hotel. So I guess they have different market segments in mind for this type of project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The, the article actually addresses this point. The spokesperson mentions that this is not a hotel format because the experience is still individual. The host creates a personalized experience for each guest. There's truth to that. Like, even though you're staying at a place that's designed for, you know, short-term rentals, the tenant is still staying in the property at least 180 days a year. It's not an apartment that's like only being used by travelers. There's actually somebody living there. I think it's still different from a hotel. One last thing that I want to mention is also there's going to be some services for Airbnb hosts in the building. So if you want to get some new sheets where you want to get your laundry done and stuff, there's going to be uh, all sorts of services that will help the Airbnb host manage their units. There's going to be smart locks installed on all the units. You know, it's really optimized for Airbnb hosting, which just makes it really convenient. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're a remote host, like if you're there for half the year and then, you know, there's a lot of Canadians who go down to Florida for for half the year they call them snowbirds so this would be perfect for someone like that when you're not there you just rent it out on airbnb and then you can take advantage of those services you know bringing clean linen all that kind of stuff to manage your rental i think it's fantastic and i wouldn't be surprised if a lot more of these start popping up not necessarily airbnb sponsored i think it's great that airbnb is sponsoring them and i think that that will continue to happen but i think you'll see a lot of developers in the near future develop these type of apartment buildings that are catered towards short-term rentals. All right, let's move on to the next topic, which is, let me see. Okay, so there's another article that came out that talks about, this is about Airbnb Select, right? Airbnb Select is the, the luxury brand that Airbnb is looking to launch. I'm not sure yet when, but some hosts have already been selected to participate in the pilot program. It's a program where Airbnb is going to help make improvements to your home to make it more luxury. And now there's talk about Airbnb even uh, providing loans for people to invest in their homes to make it part of the Airbnb select brand. This is a, was a very interesting development. It was been a pretty busy week with announcements, with everything going on. But this isn't just for loans either. For the Airbnb select program, it's going to range from advice on cosmetic improvements to the homes, shooting better photographs, as well as loans, which then can be repaid through the revenue you make through your property. So they'll loan it to you and then you repay them through the bookings. I'm sure there'll be a pre-established percentage. And again, this is, you know, the theme throughout this entire discussion is standardization. So trying to standardize practices. It's a great opportunity for a lot of Airbnb hosts who, who maybe don't have the upfront capital to do some renovations to their property to make it more desirable. So I think they're going to get a lot of interest in this, although right now it's only offered to Airbnb Select, but maybe this is just a pilot project they then may offer to other hosts as well. I almost forgot, but there's one other big news article that came out. It's not really a news article, but Airbnb has finally opened up their API. So now third parties can get access to all the Airbnb data that's out there. I'm not very technical. I mean, I just about know what an API is, uh, but <laughs> but that's uh, that's about it. I think, Glenn, you're a little bit smarter than me, especially when it comes to this kind of stuff. So I'll let you take the lead on this one. 
I wasn't head of IT at Hostfully. I'm head of marketing. So I think we're the two worst guys to be talking about APIs and anything technology related. From what I understand, this will allow Airbnb hosts to pull in, pull their data from Airbnb into third-party applications. So like any management software you use, dynamic pricing tools, Hostfully guidebooks. It's an interesting twist because up until now, Airbnb's only offered API to a select few third-party operators. What a lot of developers have done is what they've been doing to get their data from Airbnb is they've just been scraping the site, which means they have bots that crawl the website. But this is now a more formal and official and allowed integration into, into Airbnb's backend. So you're going to see a lot of middle Airbnb companies who can now plug directly into Airbnb's data. So I think this is a really, really interesting development. And it sort of underscores how Airbnb is really looking for ways to open up its platform, particularly as they aim for greater growth. And I think this announcement, you know, comes amid a bunch of other partnership news. This was sort of the biggest, but I mean, last week we had the WeWork partnership, which I believe you discussed last week. And then we had, you know, the, what we just talked about, the uh, Airbnb partnering with the developer in Florida. So there's a lot of partnerships, partnership news coming out of Airbnb. Opening up of the API is sort of the strategic umbrella, the final push that Airbnb is doing to sort of open up these partnerships. Awesome. Well, in the Airbnb news Facebook group, uh, I'm just looking at some of the comments to look for some opinions of those who do understand what an API is. Somebody is actually asking, what is an API? I actually don't know what it stands for, but something with application, I think. But anyway, a few people are actually mentioning that the news is not as good as it sounds because you still have to fill out a form to get access to all the data. It's still uh, restricted, according to some people. So Airbnb seems to be still super cautious of the data that they're providing. I guess the only way to find out is to to fill out the application form and see if you can get access, see how many people are going to get access to it, to see how strict they're going to be with actually opening up the API to people. So I think this story will be continued. Yes, and I'm just uh, looking on Google and API stands for Application Program Interface. So Maybe next time we should get someone a bit more technologically savvy to talk about APIs. <laughs> yeah, like I was definitely thinking to get somebody uh, for in the next couple of weeks, get somebody who knows what he's talking about to comment on these things. I have a couple shout outs before we'll let everybody go. I got an email from Mary. She lives in North Carolina on the Outer Banks, and she is looking for somebody to do a small seminar. Her church has an annual program in February. Proceeds go to charity, and as a new Airbnb host, she's looking for someone to do a 90-minute presentation on how to get started with Airbnb, and she offers the speaker a couple free nights in her rental house. So if you are in North Carolina, please reach out to me, then I will connect you to Mary, and hopefully we can make this happen. Also, I wanted to announce that starting on Monday... I'm going to start a video log. So I'm going to do a daily video of basically me talking about some Airbnb stuff, but also showing people uh, what I'm doing with my traveling and stuff. Maybe talking a little bit about travel-related topics and just showing people funny things about uh, interesting things about the place where I am. I think it'll be really fun. My plan is to commit to doing one every single day. You know, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, I'll be able to keep up with it. What do you think, Len? 
Do you follow? I just any, don't want to. I don't want to see any typhoons or hurricanes. <laughs> Do you follow any video logs? No, I don't. I'm old school. You're old school. Okay. My little nephew, who's about 12 years old, he always uh, tells me to to do YouTube and to do video logs. So I finally uh, have realized that uh, he's probably smarter than me and I should follow his advice. So uh, <laughs> on my YouTube Kids channel... Kids technology. I know. like He knows more about Instagram and all that kind of stuff than I do. So... I don't even know how to use Snapchat. But in any case, I'm going to publish these videos on my YouTube channel. Uh, get paid for your pad. You'll be able to find it. And I'll share them in my email list and Facebook and stuff as well. You'll be getting a nice daily email from me. If you get tired of me, feel free to unsubscribe. But if you do want to follow me, then go ahead and sign up for the newsletter at getpaidforyourpad.com. All right. I, I will be signing up. You'll be signing up. Okay. Well, uh, I'll see how long you can keep up with me. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts, Len, for today? No, that's it. Jasper, stay dry in uh, in Taiwan, and uh, we'll we'll be talking to you next week. Okay, great. Well, thanks, Len, for joining, and thanks, all the listeners. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and uh, we'll see you on Monday with another episode. And uh, of course, hope to see you on my YouTube channel as well uh, with the daily uh, vlogs. So take care and goodbye. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet. Get paid for your pet.